I guess my question is, what came first, the government or the religion? Welcome back. It's been a long week, as you've anticipated getting to hear this again. Seven whole days. You've missed uh, us. Um, yes, exactly. I'm uh, Brian, one half of the Deconstruction Brothers. And I'm Drew, and, the other half. And brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got to deconstruct. deconstruct. That's right. For all you Tommy Boy fans out there, and I hope if you're out there, you are a Tommy Boy fan. Because they you the not be? Kind of Let's people. be honest. Yeah, exactly. Just last week, I my my thirteen year old son he watched Tommy Boy for the first time with me and really, and as can, soon as it I was can done, hear him laughing. Oh yes, <laughs> and as soon as it was done, he's like, "Does he have any other movies?" I was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, just wait." <laughs> <That's right>. Yep. <laughs> yes, they're all absolutely. the same, but they're still funny. <laughs> it's literally the same thing. Yeah, I think Black Sheep is a sequel, actually. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, to transition from Tommy Boy to this week's topic is a natural one, <laughs> as just the broad question of why religion? You know, what, what role does it play in our society? How did we get it? Um, how has it evolved over the years, changed and adapted to all the different cultural stuff? So obviously, this is something we'll visit. We'll talk about a lot in the future, but want to throw it all out there today. So I wanted to start off with something that will kind of jar your brain a little bit, I think. Uh, Fasten we, your seatbelts. <laughs> that's right. Uh, this whole idea of, of politics and religion or governments and religion um, playing off of each other in ways that strengthen both of them, uh, at least economically or in terms of their power grip on people, uh, an article came out a few days, well, actually a couple months after um, the January 6th event uh, in 2021, earlier this year. That event being the uh, storming of the uh, Capitol building, the taking of the Senate floor. I think we're all familiar with what happened. So this article, it was published in the New Yorker by Michael Luo, and he provides the words uh, that aren't quite uh, always clear on the video. It starts off, you know, there's all these people on the, the Senate floor and it's kind of they've gotten to the, you know, the holy of holies, if you will. And if you remember seeing the video, they're sort of milling around and yelling stuff randomly. And this one guy gets up behind uh, the speaker's desk and screams out, Jesus Christ, we invoke your name. So, you know, declaring that this is a, a Christian event. And Jesus is here and approving of it. So then this guy who's now famous to his right, they call him the QAnon shaman. He was the guy who wasn't wearing a shirt, but he had bullhorns on. And, and that weird hat. Yeah, furry yeah. hat mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and he's, of course, he's holding an American flag and, and a megaphone. So he raises the megaphone. Wouldn't it be begins... a megaphone? <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> That's excellent pun. Well done. Uh, so he says to everybody he's going to pray. 
So you see people on camera, you know, removing hats and stuff and beginning to pray. And so through his, his megaphone, he yells, thank you, Heavenly Father, for being the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us into the building. Apparently, he wasn't talking about the ones who died or were on the floor injured during the process. But he goes on, to allow us to exercise our rights, to allow us to send a message to all the tyrants, the communists, and the globalists, that this is our nation, not theirs, that we will not allow the America, the American way of the United States of America, to go down. Thank you, divine, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent creator God for filling this chamber with your white light and love, your white light of harmony. Thank you for filling this chamber with patriots that love you and love Christ. And everyone resounded with a resounding amen. And, and there it was, uh, the center of U.S. government and religious fundamentalism come together in a not so perfect way, most people would say. So does it just kind of make your head spin? You know, imagine people in the Senate that morning, even fathoming that something like this would be happening, you know, within a couple of hours. First thing that comes to my mind, dear eight pounds, six ounce, new board infant Jesus. <laughs> Don't even know a word yet. <laughs> yes. I like to picture my my Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner. <laughs> Exactly. Yes, that's exactly what I thought of. <laughs> Only these guys are serious. They're not going right. for a laugh. Right. Right. Yeah. And and you know, and the, the funny scene in the movie is all about product placement. Right. You know, God, we're looking forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Yeah. You know, and and these guys have the same agenda. They right. have their political agenda, and yep. they're like patriots who love God and love Jesus. Right. You know, it's, well. What what really yeah. bothered me is the overuse of the word white. <laughs> like it was like white it's lightning, so and like, and it was yeah. like, oh come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> yes, the the white light of love because there was what? a lot of love in that. Oh movie. right, yeah, yes. exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, obviously, that's that's a, a super extreme example, but. Right what's a very real one to the lives that we live right now. Right. Well, uh, yeah. and things like this aren't new to just modern day religion, mm -hmm. government, whatever. It's not exclusive to just this country. I mean, you've seen that throughout history in just about every civilization, right? right. Some sort of right. uprising or whatever. Yep. So yeah, it's, yep. uh, it, it's pretty telling, which kind of gets me thinking, you know, to the origins of all this again back to what's the what's the incentive what's the what's the motion what's the you know what i mean what's the hook what's the what's the sales pitch right yeah yep. and thinking back of like okay well we the history of what we have in this nation is is pretty well documented even though it's been you know bastardized mm -hmm. yes <laughs> over and over again but you know you think yeah. back to other generations and other civilizations i mean like uh, what year was that that they burned the library in Alexandria? Right, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> like, you yeah. know what I mean. It's like the first thing you do when you take over a place is like destroy their history, and then you can build your own. Mm -hmm. So, taking that thought process and going, okay, well, 
religion? Like, where does it come from? How does it, how does it develop a a civilization? And then how do the multiple civilizations kind of compare and contrast in Mm -hmm. using religion, whatever religion it is to kind of enforce their political agenda? Right. Because yeah. because I go back to the analogy and we've talked about this when you set up the chess game. Right. It's king, queen and flanked on both sides is the bishop. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Before yep. the military, before anything else, it's like, hey, we got God on our side. So, yeah. So right. here's the whole thing. Yeah. With that. Exactly. And, you know, we see this in the modern day uh, with U.S. presidents. They will surround themselves with certain types of religious leaders but they are only the types that fit their political agenda, you know? So a conservative president is going to have very conservative religious leaders. A liberal president is going to have liberal religious leaders around them. Right. And yeah, those will be sort of the, 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 the God stamp for them, you right. know, Hey, this person's supporting me, they're advising me. So I must be doing, you know, what, what God wants me to do. Um, it's interesting though, in U S history, uh, when you start to look at the numbers, you can almost say every single president was a Christian, at least professed to be, but there were two that never professed it, never belonged to a church. Um, at least one of them I know was never baptized. And it's kind of interesting who they are because one, Abraham Lincoln, he was raised Baptist, never acknowledged belonging to a church, never was baptized. Um, never claimed affiliation with anything. He he went through a period of atheism, but by the time he was in office, he indicated a belief in a God, but that was about it. And then the other one was Thomas Jefferson. Right. You know? Well, yeah. Yeah. Going into exactly. those founding fathers, there's a whole lot of <laughs> right. things that would um, irritate the current culture of America exactly. and God and everything else. So, yeah, there's a... <laughs> and right. again, we'll get into the founding fathers in the upcoming episode because oh, yeah, yeah, if you haven't read yep. Thomas Paine, please, please yes. read Thomas Paine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he foresaw a lot of the things that we are dealing with and you right. know tried to advise ways around it. But right. Yeah. Well, and, and you think about it, like I mean, the original idea of, of coming to this country was to get away from all of the nonsense of you know the Church of England and and all the oppression. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like all this, we're going to go to this to this new world, and I'm using air quotes, and we're just going to go do our own thing and kind of set it up and and be free and everything else. And mm-hmm. It that's yeah. not what <laughs> what <Yeah>. happened. <laughs> yep. But so yeah. there's there's all kinds and maybe in future ones too we can you know look at some of them a, a little bit closer and conversational style but like how how does religion begin okay right um i mean setting aside religions have the big religions today have their origin stories if you will you know or in religious studies we call them creation myths um when I say the word myth, it doesn't mean like fairy tale, like the popular meaning of the word, but rather the academic meaning of the word myth that it, it's not about telling a historical event. It's about telling the truth behind it, you know, to give a meaning and a basis for that religion. So when we go back, um, there's a lot of theories. And one of them I'm always fascinated by is this guy. He teaches at, uh, what does he teach? Like Elizabeth 
City State University in North Carolina, but James McLennan, and he calls it the uh, ritual healing theory. So basically he says like, picture all of our pre-linguistic ancestors. Okay, the Homo erectus, the ancestors of humans. And they're sitting in a cave and some, uh, maybe a woman begins to chant over a fire. And it turns out she has a really good voice. She can chant and it becomes very rhythmic and trance-like. And people began to you know, look forward to that time when they can go and they can sort of escape their world and go into this ritual of something else. And naturally, somebody like that would begin to rise to the top and be seen as a, a leader within that community. And he traces the earliest origins to that. that. Somebody who's able to take people to another level of experience beyond their mundane everyday life. Sure. You know, I think it's kind of interesting that that's probably, there's a good argument that could be the very basis from which religion eventually comes. Right. You know, and, you know, we, people go belong to a different religious group. One of the main reasons is they, they like it. It makes them feel good. Right. You know, if they go to church, they obviously like it. Right. Right. They like to go there. They like to sing these songs, partake in whatever rituals that, you know, might happen in that place. And it gives them a sense of comfort. And I think we can trace that to this idea of, you know, pre-linguistic ancestors. Right. Yeah, well, the, the underlying theme is like having a place where you feel like you belong, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's yeah. that commonality. And, and we do that in everything, right? We have our friends that we like to go see movies with. We have our friends that we like to go to certain sporting events with. We have our friends who like mm -hmm. the same music we do, right? And we kind of have this mm -hmm. whole thing where it's like, this is just another thing that, you know, it's deeper than ourselves. And it's this historical thing that, you know, this is what our family has done for generations. And, you know, we're going to the same place of worship that, you know, mm -hmm. my grandparents and their grandparents used to go here. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I mean? So it just becomes this yep. kind of almost traditional kind of thing in a sense. Yeah, exactly. And then couple with it, you know, several hundred years ago, this, the rise of, of what we now call nationalism in the right. world where leaders began to really define set borders and say, if you're within this border, you are this ethnic group of people. Yep. And that's another way that people begin to establish the familiar and something that they can be proud of and they love and they want to identify with. And they start waving so their if, flags. And yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. yep. And our country is better than your country. Right. It becomes a team you root for. Yes, exactly. Right. Yep. It's uh, it's Cubs versus Sox. You know, it's right. it's whatever. It's the big rivalry, and it's only natural, you know, if you were to step outside of history and look and say, "Wow, these two strong emotional groups, and they come together." That's a really powerful thing. Mm -hmm. It's gonna that is capable of good or capable of terrible, terrible destruction. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's mostly the latter, but you know, yeah. that's my opinion. You know, yes. you don't have to buy into my opinion and you don't have right. to join my cults, but we will take your money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, then, it, then it becomes, you know, not only on the national side of things in terms of governments and land mass, right? You know, it's mm -hmm. the essential like line in the sand, like this is our side, that's your side, whatever. And then it becomes, you know, it once you bring religion into it, it becomes a battle of, well, it's my God against your God. 
Yeah, right? exactly. Yep. And it's just like, okay, well, <laughs> now mm-hmm. it's, yeah, now it gets all interesting. And then we're back to another thing about that, that January 6th day, there were people outside and inside that were blowing the shofar, okay. which is the ram's horn. It's traditionally used um, both in Jewish religious ceremony, but then also in um, times of ancient Israel battles, the shofar would be blown. So okay. it had a military and a spiritual use to it. Right. And I find it very interesting that people are storming the, white, the, the Capitol building and they're blowing the shofar. You know, I yeah. don't think it's out of respect for the Jewish tradition. I think it's out of respect. So. That, <laughs> yeah. Like it was, it was blown by Joshua when they marched around the walls of Jericho. That's what I was going to say. Why didn't they just march yeah. around the walls? And then, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So this whole religion politics thing and the most recent Pew survey poll said that it's almost 70% somewhere in the sixties um, of Americans think that religion and politics should never mix. Right. Which I find that interesting because it sure doesn't look like. No, I think think they say that because in in my understanding of conversations that I've had with people who think that it's more along the lines of the government can't tell the church what to do. Right. Right. They want to protect the sacred. You won't let the government do it, but you can't have it one way and not the other. Right. right. You want to build a wall yep. that it's like, okay, well now the church can't tell the government what to do and the government can't tell the church what to do. Yeah. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, no, it doesn't right. work that way. Like, yeah. Right. Right. So you ask one group, should church groups be out protesting a war? They say, no, absolutely not. That's a political thing. Well, should church groups be out protesting abortion? No. Oh, yes. Yes. You know, like, <laughs> right. exactly. You know, yeah. it's, it yeah. just depends on which side you're on. You, you, you yep. can pick and choose. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yep. and yep. that's kind of what, what religion does, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's how we have so many different sects of things and everything else. Sex, S-E-C-T. Just okay, in case yeah. I didn't enunciate that I was like, wow, I didn't properly. know we were going that direction. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that'll be another episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Religious leaders are famous for uh, yes. having sordid sex lives yes. throughout history. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. And that's, yeah. <laughs> common throughout <laughs> yes yeah again we'll, in rome or hammond in the end doesn't matter doesn't matter <laughs> sorry <laughs> you can edit that if you want <laughs> nope that's staying <laughs> um the uh well and then the problem is is you know the leader of the government kind of assumes that messianic role right of like mm-hmm. well now i'm the spokesperson for this country, this religion, this whatever, right? And it kind mm-hmm. of puts them in a seat where they become the authority, which again, that becomes dangerous. Right, right, exactly. Well, again, the, the capital invasion group, there were signs saying, in God we trust, as they, you know, knock policemen down. Right, uh, broke so, windows. Right, yeah. very large wooden crosses, yeah. Uh, one sign said, Jesus is my savior and Trump is my president. You know, just put them, put them both together. That's a natural so. progression, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, it's so intermixed. And then, yeah, and as, as politics evolve and change, so does religion. You know, you can belong to, like, like you were saying earlier, like your family can be a part of a church for generations. Yeah. But beliefs shift even within the churches all know, the time. time. Yeah. All the time. Right. Exactly. You know, and, and you know, with your church history degree and everything else, it's like, yeah. you know, as, 
And again, it's like, which one is leading the monster, right? Is it, uh-huh. is it the religion that leads the politics or does the politic lead the religion? And I feel like the answer to that is both depending on, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the situation is that it's kind of, you know, allows it to, to do whatever, or, you know, maybe it's a King who just wants to divorce his wife and he decides <laughs> yes. he can start his own religion and yeah, he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> Which, what? Yeah. I will Which, never understand that. I know. <laughs> And which, by the way, of all of the different Christian identifications of U.S. presidents, uh-huh. the largest group are Episcopalians, which are connected to Anglicans. So they come right. from Henry VIII. You know? Yes. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's yep. Henry VIII, by the way. For those of you that aren't up to date. On, yes. On, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, you want to divorce your wife, but you're afraid your religion will judge you, just start a new one. Yeah. Well, the Pope that's, pretty much told him no, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he called the Pope. Well, he didn't call him, but yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> carrier, carrier pigeon. He tweeted. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's, right. that's what world rulers do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Until they get banned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting, you know, I was, I was doing my digging and and I didn't realize this, but, you know, the 1600s, we're, we're looking at, you know, a very geocentric view of the world, Right. And mm-hmm. 1600s, Copernicus comes around and was like, actually, like, we're all going around the sun. It becomes eucentric, <laughs> all this other stuff. And the Catholic Church did not like that. <laughs> um, Heretic. Yeah, Heretic. I mean, he was under all kinds of. So then Galileo comes along and he's like, no, I think like Copernicus is right. And Galileo was actually put under house arrest because mm-hmm. it conflicted with what the church was telling people. And it's like. Well, we've got scientific data that backs this up. Like, the, you know, here's yeah, the right. scientists that are like, actually, I think we've got it all wrong. And it was like, you know, everything they could to kind of shut that down because yep. you need the control. Yep. And I think we've seen it's human beings when faced with scientific data that contradicts their beliefs, they'll stick with their beliefs. Right. You know, over and over again, it happens. Right. And that's part of what we're trying to do with this podcast, this whole idea of deconstructing so that you can rethink things outside of maybe some unhealthy cages that your brain has been in since since who knows when. Mm -hmm. I don't remember who said it, but the quote is um, first learn, then form your opinions. I Mm -hmm. don't probably know who it is, but it's very difficult for us to say. I don't know. Right. right. We have to put ourselves in a position of, we don't oh, want to yeah, look yeah. like an idiot or to look, you know, uninformed or uneducated. Right. We want to go, right. Oh no, this, this is what it is. And a lot of times that is just regurgitated dogma that we've heard our entire mm-hmm. life. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Is that something we really believe? Like, <laughs> you know, I'll point things out of things that I've learned and people go, wait, what? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. no, no, really, really, here it is. Like in, in red letters, which we'll get into that whole thing because yeah. Yeah. Ancient Greek yeah. doesn't have quotation marks, but anyway, I'm off that. <laughs> so <soapbox>. right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. So, and it, but you know, and it, it's, it just shows it's such a hard thing to leave your, your mental comfort zone. Right. You know, like that, whether it's the religion or politics or both that you're so comfortable in to think outside of it, that maybe I'm wrong. Maybe all my people are wrong. Right. And, and that's yeah, terrifying. To me, 
Oh, it's terrifying because you because you fight with that. You wrestle with that. It's like it keeps you up at night because everything that you've been taught, right, is like, okay, you have to be blah, 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 blah. You know, we were we were raised in a in a strict church where (laughs) it had a strong political agenda. That's Mm -hmm. not there was no hiding it. There was no I mean, this is what it was. Right. Um, Yep. And I remember getting a book. It was my senior year of high school and dad gave me a Rush Limbaugh book and I got about halfway through it. And I was like, <laughs> there's nothing Jesus-like about anything this guy says. <laughs> so like, I, why is he angry? Why is he arrogant? Why is, and I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't connect with yeah. it. The thought process just makes my brain short circuit and I'm done with it. Yep. So. It's funny because listening to him was one of the major moments in my opening up my worldview to be like, wait, I don't want to be like this guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's terrible. Yeah. He's an awful person. Yep. You know, and th- is this really what Christianity is or what being an American is? And I was like, no, I don't think it is. I don't so want any of that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And, yeah. and then, you know, once you realize that's just all an agenda, because you think mm-hmm. about it like, the world was here for a long time before America was. And I'm using America as the United States of America. Um, and there was a lot of ideas and ideologies and people and influence and things that were a whole lot better than what we have now, to be to be frank, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so to um, think that it's all about us because it becomes extremely arrogant. And uh-huh. again, going back to that, that gym analogy from last week of like, I know everything I'm done. Right. Yeah. My religion tells me everything that I need to know. I know it all. Boom. Done. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Well, Check that box off. Don't yep. need to worry about cool. that ever. Again. I'm done. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's just, whereas yeah, the, the more I, I, I teach and study and research, it's the more I realize, Oh man, mm-hmm. I'm so far from understanding anything. <laughs> right. You know, yep. and it's, <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. This, you know, which leads to again something that's gonna we're gonna I think circle back to quite a bit. Um, my my doctoral research and dissertation is in nineteenth century missionary efforts to the indigenous people of the Great Basin of the U.S. And the Great Basin is a geographical region that's basically Nevada and Utah with a little bit of Idaho and Wyoming in there. So in other words, when water is flowing in there, it doesn't go anywhere. It's sort of a giant basin geographically, but there not much grows in that area. It's not good farmland. You know, people didn't want to settle there. So pretty much the indigenous people in there were left alone until all of a sudden missionaries were getting a call from God to go there shortly after mining was discovered to be very profitable in that area. Oh, really? So the, the Comstock load, you know, in the beginning, yeah. and all of a sudden, and there's a picture from the late 1800s of hundreds of young college students in northern Nevada being trained to go out and to bring the message of God to these people who previously nobody cared about. Them. Right. <laughs> they lived in the, in the desert in nowhere. Yeah. But now suddenly... Uh, it needed to be colonized. So, uh, you know, and again, the methods for spreading Christianity are, wow, 
just terrifying when you start to read the firsthand accounts of what was happening. Right. Yeah. yeah. Nothing worse than a gold digging missionary. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So my research, I've gone into the economics of it and where they were getting the money that was funding these missions. And a lot of it was coming from big East Coast wealthy families who happened to have um, investments in mining things going on and so forth. So again, economics, the politics and the religion can't really separate them. What sort of religious branches were kind of like influential in that whole movement? Yeah, at the time, well, originally it was a lot of um, Episcopalians. Um, Catholics were kind of doing their own thing and Presbyterians. Okay. But then they started forming, I guess these were early versions of political super PACs. They were uh, like missionary super PACs. <laughs> Like different denominations. That's a great start band to... name. <laughs> missionary Super PAC. <laughs> yeah. So they'd form like the Christian Missionary Alliance. Okay. You know, and they would get these, these sort of like umbrella house organizations that could raise a lot of money and send a lot of missionaries out there. Sure. And of course, the motto was um, save the man, kill the Indian. You oh. Know, they wanted to not okay. only convert them to Christianity, but make them white. You right. know, kill all of the Indian in them. Right. So yeah, yeah. Well, and that was yeah. yeah, that was always kind of the thing, like just kind of make them all us, and then mm-hmm. yeah. And and I right. think a lot of that is beneficial from a political standpoint, right? Is is if you oh, can yeah. get them to buy into the system, and the system is the religion, and then the you know the nationalism and everything else, then it's mm-hmm. they're easier to control. <laughs> Right. I I go back to the whole idea of like, you know, I mean, the first five books of the Bible are called what? Mm -hmm. The law. (laughs) Right. right. I mean, it's like it's it's literally like this is the government. This is the law. It's from God. Don't get mad at me. And if you break the law, you die. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it was. So it's like, okay, well, so we're going to walk through the wilderness for how long? Yep. You got it. That's what we're going to (laughs) do. Yep. So, pretty interesting. And, and it totally was. It was an economic, really a important thing for the U.S. to subdue or convert, you know, the native nations because they were spending so much money and losing so many lives and the military fighting them. Right. You know, so yep. and then and then to then contain on the reservation, then they sort of stopped being a problem for what the U.S. Right. wanted to accomplish. So right. you either comply or... Yeah. Yeah. Or you go live in Oklahoma. And that was pretty much it. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Google Trail of Tears. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, we were exposed to that story at a fairly young age because of family in that area. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. But that was nowhere to be found in our Christian history books or anything. That wasn't. Yeah. We don't talk about that. Nope. Pilgrims were just praying and sharing food. Yep. You know, and it was all a big utopia. buckles on their hats. (laughs) Right. And shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, they didn't take the buckles from the shoes. Yeah, they just right. that's, that's weird. But right. but you know, the natives taught them how to plant corn. So that was yes, right. Yeah. Oh man, yes. <laughs> Did you know corn was called maize? That's about all I remember. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that was pretty much the whole point of it. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember that because I was like, wait, corn maize. That's redundant, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Since it is, you know, the the fall harvest yeah. season. Yeah. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> and also, I remember, yeah, don't be a witch or it'll turn out bad for you. To yeah. From the purists, they taught us that. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, yep. yep. Well, I think I sent you one the other day. I think it was like a meme or something along those lines. It was like, you know, we were grown up to, growing up, we were taught to, to fear the witches. And as I got older, I realized it was the people that was burning the witches that were terrifying. <laughs> like, yes, you know what exactly. I mean? Like, I, I just go to mentally, she turned me into a newt. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I got better. <laughs> but, you know, burn her. She's a witch. <laughs> okay. okay. What are we doing now? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So... Another big thing is when we talk about a religion, especially a big religion like Christianity, Islam, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, there's so many different branches and diversions in there to say Christians believe this. There are very few things you can say that all Christians believe. But there's one thing, major thing that happened in U.S. history. You've got these... Um, Christian leaders of this emerging country, and they began to establish high-end intellectual institutions you know, that we know as Harvard, Yale, and Princeton, and so forth. And they're designed to train ministers, but with the idea that ministers have to be extremely um, intelligent, knowledgeable people. They've got to know philosophy and science and history and literature and all these things. It's not just memorizing Bible verses to scream from the pulpit at people in their churches. But at some point in history, there's a shift where what we know today is evangelicalism becomes very anti-intellectual. And, you know, you get to the point where somebody like Dwight Moody, who I always think it's funny that there's a college in his name, because he would he would argue over and over again, all you need to do, all you need to do is read the Bible. You don't need anything else. Just read the Bible. Yep. Well, that makes college kind of simple. Like, <laughs> here's one book. Just read it <laughs> for four years. We're going to talk about it. And then you're done. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, what is it that is at the root of anti-intellectualism? You know, and that's a sort of a huge question, but I think it's something that lies in a lot of the problems going on in the world today. Right. You have this, uh, these, you know, kind of stoic New England churches, the very educated people, um, sermons that you read, you know, from students who are coming out of Harvard and Dartmouth at this time, you know, are, are very well articulated and thought out. And then comes the first great awakening and the second great awakening and whatever else has gone on after that. And you start to see this shift from, um, well, I understand my faith and context of all of these things in the world to, I don't need no book learning. I got Jesus. Right. You know, and that, and all of a sudden there's this huge split in Christianity in the U S mm -hmm. yeah, that it's defined as the people who are the intellectuals are called the liberals and the people who don't want to read anything and just want to feel good about Jesus right. are the conservatives. And we sort of have the descendants of that going on today. Now that's an oversimplification. So save the emails and tweets and complaints because I know I was oversimplifying. Yes. <laughs> but, but again, a broad stroke. And again, you know, in future episodes, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll delve down that, but yeah, I just, yep. it, it makes me laugh because like, you know, 
liberal was such a such a such a negative connotation in our households, in our church, in our school, right? And mm-hmm. I never understood that, especially as I got older and learned like where the word comes from and what it means mm-hmm. and what it stands for. And it's just like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> like that right. doesn't make any sense. But it's again, it's drawing the line of we're the good guys, they're the bad guys. And yeah. I don't think that yeah. using your God-given brain is is a bad thing. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> like right. don't don't think, just just do, just obey. And it's like, and if you yeah. question, like we're doing on this podcast, like mm-hmm. I remember getting in trouble at school all the time. Well, you have a problem with authority. You go, no, <laughs> I have a problem with no. you being a little bit manipulative <laughs> and not being completely forthcoming. <laughs> so yes, that's my problem. So, yeah. Trust and obey. Yeah. For there's, no, there's no other way. That's it. That's right. Just shut up and be happy in Jesus. That's right. Congratulations, you have survived yet another episode of the Deconstruction Brothers podcast. We thank you for checking us out, doing some deconstructing with us, asking all the uh, the fun questions sometimes you don't want to address. Um, reach out to us. You can find us on our Facebook page, which is uh, Deconstruction Brothers podcast. Um, you can email us for quicker correspondence. Maybe not. Maybe Facebook is faster. I'm not sure how fast Brian responds to things. But um, that is deconstructionbrothers at gmail.com. Subscribe to the podcast. You can rate it. Give us a thumbs up. Share it. Tell your friends. All that fun stuff. And we will see you next week. Thanks.